And welcome into the Main Event Sports Show, Main Event Sports TV Live Thursday night, the Plug Network. This is your host, Rashawn Myers, being joined, of course, as always, in studio by the Imperial One himself, the Imperial Real Rail. What's good, Rashawn? What's good? Man, how you doing, my brother? Doing all right? Man, I'm good. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. I can't complain. I had a little vacation last week, you know? Uh, Had to leave you all to your your own devices. Hopefully, y'all ain't tear stuff up. Uh, uh, my man Omni here in the studio, as a, the, he, he doesn't look like y'all done tore up everything. He still got a smile on his face, so I think we're good. Oh, yeah, <laughs> most definitely. Uh, of course, the architect himself, the H to the Izzo, Haven Harrington, is still on assignment down there in the, uh, the land of sun in Tallahassee, Florida. We hope to be joined by him next week. Um, but in his stead, we are actually being joined via satellite by our man, uh, the, the amazing writer, Mr. Devin Hall, is going to be joining us as well. He's going to be talking all things sports. Of course, Devin uh, contributes a ton uh, to MainEventSports101.com, yes. the blog. Um, you know, does does write ups on UK, even though you know I, I don't necessarily read them too much. You know, I kind of keep those to myself. But also does awesome things with the action sports as well. And I, I know that uh, it wasn't on the rundown. You know, we kind of have a pre pre show rundown of everything. And one thing I did not see was the Tyson Fury, uh, you know, Wilder fight. Uh, and I do want to get into that. I want to get everybody's thoughts on that at Actually, some point. Actually, if you read it, was there? It was on there. I did not right. see that. I did not say. Well, we 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 gonna make sure we get into that, fellas, because I I definitely have some thoughts about that. Uh, but we have so many great things uh, to talk about, fellas. So um, let's go ahead and just get it rolling. Um, you know, I, I guess. Um, let, you know what? Let's go ahead and start with the elephant in the room. Uh, you know, of course, being in the city of Louisville, um, there's been a lot of uh, gnashing of teeth and uh, very upset people. You know, we'll, we'll talk about the smiley side of the street down 64 in just a minute. But uh, here, all the Louisville fans are upset. Um, uh, let, let me first, Devin, let me go to you since you are the, the, the special guest. Um, just give me your thoughts on what you saw um uofl um believing they had the game won i was on my way back in town i actually turned the game off thinking that it was over come to find out Louisville had lost the game i've since gone back and watched the replay of the game uh what what did you think about what we saw out there on saturday afternoon for louisville i got to see bits and pieces of the game i didn't get to see the full thing but I did see that they were up by a good amount, and I was just like, ah, this game's over. I figured they had it in the bag, you know, and then I flipped the channel back over and checked it again. I saw Virginia coming back, and I was just like, man, what the hell's happening? And then, I mean, by the end, I just, you know, I just think the play calling really isn't satisfactory right now for Louisville, you know? Yeah. I mean, of course, I know Louisville, they had a, an injury to one of their wide receivers, correct? Uh, yeah, well, they, they had an injury to Braden Smith. He's now missed yeah. a couple of games, um, you know, and, and that's been a bit of a struggle for them to come back from that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it has been tough with Braden missing. Yeah, I just uh, – I feel like the inconsistency of Satterfield's, like, play calling and stuff, like, you look back at the UCF game, like, he was on a roll that game. Yeah. Louisville looked great. They played great. Uh they played with Wake Forest, of course. They were right out there at the game. They should have won the game pretty much if it wasn't for the referees. But then you go to Virginia, a game that I figured that Louisville had in the bag and just the inconsistencies come in to play right there. And it's just you got to get the play calling better 
if you if Louisville wants to get over that edge, you know. And uh, I mean Satterfield, he's a good guy. Um, he's not he's not the worst coach at all. It's just if he got consistent with how good he can actually be and how talented that y'all y'all have some great talent. It's just young, you know. And uh, if he got more consistent with play calling, I feel like Louisville would just take to the edge, especially with ACC now with Clemson falling back a lot. Uh, North Carolina wasn't as good as people thought. Uh, well, who leads the ACC? Wake Forest right yeah, now? Yeah, I believe Wake Forest right now is the number one team right now in the conference. Yeah, who would have thought that? That's crazy. <laughs> Unbelievable. Rail, let me ask you, um, what, you know, what, what did you think about the game? Um, you know, I've heard a lot of people talking about, you know, this guy needs to be fired. You know, two weeks ago, everybody was happy. Louisville was three and one. Things were going well. Now you have the tough loss, like Devin talked about, to Wake Forest, where it may have been taken away from him by the officials. Now you come back, lose a heartbreaker, where you're up, you know, 31 uh, to 30 or 30 to 13, heading into the fourth quarter. Um, now people want people fired again. Like, what, what, what do you think about what you saw? What I think about it is you let a guy throw, throw for 487 yards, where you were controlling them on the ground. They only picked up. 35 yards on the ground. Mm -hmm. Your team masked five and a half sacks in that game. You guys controlled the line of scrimmage for three quarters. Come the fourth quarter, you were outscored 21 to three. Mind you, here's the Achilles heel for Louisville. You guys go three for 13 on third down. 0 for four on third down in the fourth quarter. If you can't sustain drives, there's no way in the world you're going to win. There's no way in the world you're going to win. I mean, I, and, and, and honestly, again, it's the corners. It's the secondary. The secondary is the Achilles heel of everything that Louisville is trying to get done. Because if they can't cover down the field long enough to stop people from masking these 20-yard catches... 18-yard catches, 35-yard catches, touchdown catches that are really handling it because Virginia had no running game, so they were only passing the ball the entire fourth quarter, and you allowed them to put up three touchdowns through the air. Yeah. Well, so, I, I, I know I totally agree with you, and, and I think that is the thing that has people so frustrated with this because, by and large, through the first three quarters – Louisville was able to keep that passing game in check. You know, like Virginia was able to, to take advantage of some situations where we saw Louisville go to the three-man rush. And this has been something that people have talked about all year is that the three-man rush does not work. The three-man rush has been killed by Louisville all year long. And, and I think that Louisville, when, to me, fellas, I feel like the three-man rush is a cop-out. To me, if you really believe that uh, uh, Trey Clark is maybe the best cornerback in the conference. If you really believe that Chandler Jones um, is one of the best cornerbacks in the conference, if you really believe that Trey Franklin, uh, who's one of the slot corners, are are really good at their job, then you don't have to be Florida State and go straight man-to-man press coverage, okay? But you should at least allow your guys to say, you know what, I feel like my athletes are better than Virginia's athletes. So what we're going to do is we're going to bring pressure, we're going to bring four, five, six rushers, and you know what, Trey? Lock him down. You know, Chandler, lock him down. 
you're going to have to cover this guy for three, four, five seconds until our, our, you know, our linebackers and our defensive linemen get to the quarterback. I don't think that's asking too much. And to me, I feel like the coaching staff just does not give that belief to their defensive players. They don't. And, and it shows. They, they, they believe in their front line. They believe in their front four. They believe in their linebackers. But when it comes to their secondary, that is a part of their defense that they believe is really the weakest part of their defense. And it shows because instead of them saying, let's go man to man, they play a lot of zone. And it's holes in the zone. And when you got a team like Virginia, who has a a quarterback like Brennan Armstrong, Brennan Armstrong has a powerful arm. He's going to make sure that he's able to thread the needle. And what's funny about that, this time last year, Louisville only had six interceptions as a, or excuse me, two interceptions as a defense through six games last year. This year, Louisville has six interceptions, okay? Kendrick Duncan has been outstanding. Quinterio Cole, both the safeties, those two transfers have been outstanding. Trey Clark has been outstanding. So my question is, why is the coaching staff neutering their own players when these guys have shown they can play? To me, Louisville two years ago, really got burned in the secondary. They didn't have great safety play. Their cornerback play was weak. Louisville got beat over the top several times. I still feel like the coaching staff is coaching scared for what happened a couple years ago, if that makes sense. Like, I don't know why they seem so apprehensive to let these guys, because I think they have but, the horses go out there and also go back and you look, let's go back to the old Miss game. If you go back and you look, they did a lot of man-to-man in that game. And what happened? A lot of these guys got beat over the top. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true, but Virginia's not Ole Miss. I mean, Ole Miss, you're talking about one of the top 10, 15 teams in the country. But that, that's where Satterfield, he, he, like you say, they playing well. I'm not going to doubt that. They mm-hmm. do have six interceptions. They're playing quite well. Satterfield is just, he's afraid. It's not the players. Can you win coaching afraid at this level? No. No, you see the results. When you when you get complacent and comfortable with the lead, even though you had 17-point lead and you outscored them 20 to 0 in the third quarter, you should have came out as if the game was 0-0 and you needed to score. But the thing is, even when they play at, at an aggressive pace on offense, it seems that they can't sustain drives and that's the thing. You've had 13 third downs that you could have kept drives going and you only went and completed three of them. Wise man once told me, real scared money don't, don't make, make money. money. Hey, and I tell you what, on that note, you are uh, once again watching Main Event Sports TV Live. Rashawn, Rail, Devin taking care of you. Uh, you are watching the Plug Network. Stay plugged in. We'll be back. I'm Hagen Harrington, host of Bay of the Sports Show. Oh, catch us every Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, here on the Plug Network Online. Stay plugged in. back on the main event sports show main event sports tv live uh coming back to you and i just want to let everybody know if you want an opportunity to win some outstanding main event sports swag uh all you have to do is go check out our facebook page go to uh, main event sports radio 
on, on uh, YouTube. Uh, go to YouTube, subscribe, and once you subscribe, we get to that 1,500 subscribers, we're going to be giving away either a free t-shirt or a free hat. Uh, so make sure you go check that out. Once again, that is YouTube.com slash main event sports radio okay so make sure you go out there um of course you see our, our great logo floating over our heads there um the, the the great one himself mr william wright does all of our logos uh he has some outstanding logos we have a city logo with the black power fist you know we got a few different logos a few different items out there ever expanding uh you know for those folks that want to uh maybe get uh you know a mask yeah they have, they have the mask that you can get so they have all kind of stuff you know what I'm saying? Got all kind of great swag. Uh, but, fellas, I, I do, before we move on, um, you know, to down the road uh, to I-64, I did want to um, approach one more thing. I've heard a lot of people talk about fire this guy, fire that guy. After, like I said, two weeks ago, everybody seemed to be okay um, with, you know, the state of affairs. Do you think it's too early to start talking about firing people six games into the season? I think Satterfield should have been gone when he tried to go find that South Carolina coaching job. <laughs> I really feel like he should have been gone then because honestly, he lost his players when he did that. Yeah. Once you made that move, you you lost your players and now you're struggling in your season to get them back. See, they are not playing for you no more. They really playing for themselves. Yeah. See, this is about their pride. They playing for themselves. It's like you calling the plays, but they're not really paying you no mind. It shows that they're not paying attention to you in practice. You've lost your mojo with your players. You weren't out there on the front line doing the protests and none of that. You went to go try to find another job. So you didn't show any solidarity to your team. So they're not really fighting hard for you, in my opinion. That's fair. That's fair. Devin, do you think it's too early to start talking about making changes at uh you know, with the team sitting at three and three, or, or or do you think it's time to start looking at maybe uh, moving some positions around? Mike Singletary is available. <laughs> I I feel like at the end of the season, there's a great about a solid ninety percent chance Satterfield will be gone. I just I think that it's starting to get to the point where Louisville fans are getting anxious. Uh, they just they're starting to get tired of everything. I feel like Satterfield's how I brought it up earlier, the inconsistency with him, uh, how he doesn't show up to the games sometimes that should be a win, like the Cavaliers against uh, Virginia, should I say. Uh, just not showing up to those. And, of course, how you brought up Terrell, the South Carolina incident. I thought after that, I figured after that, it would have been done. But I think at the end of the year, there's a great chance that he will move on, will, will move on, and start looking for a different coach. Definitely. I, I mean, I, and I can't, uh, you know, dispute any of that. The one thing I will say about this, and as I've, I've looked at it, it's very interesting because, you know, I, I, and I sent a tweet about this earlier um, saying that I, I do miss the days where, you know, as a fan, you came into the season, you were excited about the team, and then you just kind of lived with the team, you know, through the ups and the downs. Uh, you know, so, sometimes your team played well, other weeks your team didn't play well, but you pretty much watched the whole season and then assessed at the end of the year. And, you know, you had that opportunity to kind of look at everything as a whole. Now, what I feel like everybody tries to do is they try to take a win and say, oh, now I think they're going to win a bunch of games. Then they watch them lose. Okay, well, now they're going to lose a bunch of games and kind of project out off of the immediate reactions of wins and losses rather than understanding that, you know, especially in collegiate athletics, teams change a lot from the beginning of the year 
to the end of the year. Um, so, you know, I, I, that's the one thing about it is um, I, there could be an opportunity where maybe some changes need to be made if things don't improve and if things don't get better. But we saw this Louisville team last year um, improve a lot, especially defensively throughout the season. They finished extremely strong, knocked off this Wake Forest team that's now sitting in first in the conference uh, on their way um, to a, a four and seven record that wasn't great, but they fought like hell, especially those last three or four games. So I, I the, my one thing is, I don't think it's time for uh, anybody to push the panic button. I don't think I've heard some people on the radio talking about, you know, let's go ahead and get rid of some guys now, like Brian Brown, the defensive coordinator. I like Brian Brown. I think that he is one of the better young defensive coordinators. Um, I just think there's some philosophical issues. If anything, my one thing that I will say that I'm worried about with this little team, I think that Coach Satterfield and this crew, they're good. I think that they are good coaches. I think that this is a coach that can get you six, seven, eight wins in a season. But I think that what you have is a coaching staff that may keep you in that six, seven, eight wins, as I don't believe, especially with their proclivity to be passive, especially when they get a lead, they'll never be a 10, 11, 12 win team with that mentality. So what you have is a situation where Louisville's basically going to become the San Antonio Spurs pre-Tim Duncan, where every year the Spurs were always fourth or fifth in the, in, in the Western Conference. They could never shake out of it. They were never too good. They were never terrible and just kind of stuck in the middle. I'm worried about that's where Louisville's headed. Louisville has been there for a while now. They've been there for a while now. My thing is, Satterfield is a Division II coach trying to play yeah. in major football. See, when you take a job at Louisville, South Carolina, Alabama, Florida State, Florida, Ohio State, Georgia, when you take jobs at these schools, even to Kentucky, you are brought in with the aspect that you are going to be able to win games. You go four and seven, and it's really, it's really unacceptable. I feel as though when he went four and seven, he should have been out last season. I think they should have got rid of him last season. I mean, because if you go four and seven, it's unacceptable. I don't care if it was a pandemic year or whatever it is. You're at a top-tier school. You have to do top-tier coaching. This is not Appalachian State. This is Louisville. They expect winning. There is nothing that they don't expect except for winning. And then when they look down the street and they see that the Wildcats are 6-0, and how do you think they feel? Hey, that is an excellent question, and I do agree with you that I think that is definitely putting the screws to them, and that can transition us right in to our next topic, the UK Wildcats, 6-0, and oh, uh, just joyous celebration. My daughter, who attends UK, um, has been loving life. They're down there partying, having a good old time. Everybody's got smiles on their faces. Uh, Devin, um, I, I know that LSU, it was expected for Kentucky to, to take care of LSU, uh, but anytime you can knock off a lot like Louisville knocking off Florida State, anytime you have an opportunity to knock off one of those traditional powers, that's a big thing. Uh, just give me your thoughts on, on, on what happened on Saturday evening. Well, that was the best game that we've had ever since that we, the beginning of the season with uh, 
course, South Carolina was sloppy. Chattanooga was sloppy. Uh, Missouri wasn't the best game for us. Florida, of course, was very sloppy offensively. But this game, it felt like Kentucky looked complete that game because Will Levis finally stepped up, even though he only had, like, I believe, like 140, 170, like, passing yards. He did have three passing touchdowns. Um, he also had 80 or so rushing yards. I can't, I, I can't remember the exact amount. 82. But he made – go ahead. He had 82 rushing yards. 82? Yeah, I know he had a good game, which he had great decision-making whenever he does his runs, of course, and he's a bulldog running the ball for a quarterback, yeah. big 6'3 frame. But, I mean, the running game, uh, of course, Chris Rodriguez continues to dominate for us in the running game. Cavassier Smoke had his best game. Uh, the defense continues to dominate. I just think that's a good game for us to have. Everybody have a complete good game against a solid team in LSU, which, of course, they're down from usual. But they're still a very reasonable team, you know, compared to South Carolina or anybody like that we've played. But I think it's a good morale game for us to now be going into Athens to face Georgia, which, of course, Georgia will be heavy favorite, 23 and a half points. But I think that we'll go in there and play better than any team they have faced. I don't think we'll win, but I think we'll play better Devin, than Arkansas or anybody like that. Devin, listen. I'm gonna I'm gonna go on record and say this. If you all go into Athens, Georgia, and beat the Bulldogs, there should be talks of national championship in Kentucky. Hey, I mean, I don't I hate I hate talking about it. I don't want to jinx them or nothing, but <laughs> if they do win, I mean, we might have to talk about Kentucky finally being a top five team. That's something I've never been able to say in my whole entire lifetime. And that just, that's just crazy to think if we do beat them, we'll be sitting at the SEC East at the top of it. We'll be the only undefeated SEC team left. And they and, should put you in number four. I mean, I'm cool with it. Any, anywhere in the top ten, I'm cool with it. Even if it is ten, if they just want to move us up one, I don't care. Now, I'll tell you what. I, the Kentucky and Mark Stoops, and this is the thing that, that Kentucky is a poster child for not rushing to judgment on a coach. Um, because, you know, uh, Stoops did not have the best start at Kentucky, um, had multiple losing, losing seasons before he got things going, but they stuck it out. Now, did they uh, play, uh, you know, the, the rotating offensive coordinator game for, you know, every year that he's been there? <laughs> Pretty much. Sean, but, in Stoops' defense, he wasn't playing with his recruits. True, true. I mean, but, I mean, neither is Satterfield. I mean, so Satterfield, you know, this, this year's his first year when he's really got even his guys is as what redshirt freshman uh, for a lot of the guys that he recruited. But I mean, no, but I, I think that there's something to be said about sticking with the coach that you believe in, sticking with the philosophy, recruiting to that philosophy. I think the biggest thing for Stoops is he's been a phenomenal recruiter since he stepped on campus. And, and that's the one thing where I think that the Louisville staff is falling short. And I give all the credit. You know, I may be an avid Louisville guy, um, but I, I give credit where credit's due. Mark Stoops has done an amazing job. I didn't think that the defense was going to be nearly as good as it's been so far this year. This was supposed to be a down year. They were supposed to take a step back defensively. And the defense, um, because A, I feel like he puts them out there, he believes in those guys, and he allows his playmakers to make plays. And when you go out there, you play aggressive, you stick with your philosophy, you try to enforce your will on your opponent, 
Um, I think that's what you see. I know we're up against the break. When we come back, we're going to continue to break that down, um, figure out does Kentucky actually have a shot against Georgia? I want to go around and just ask everybody about that. I know that's one of our picks for the end of the show. And we're also going to talk about that NFL debacle that is John Gruden. Uh, And I'm a Raiders fan, so I... (laughs) Yeah. Me too, man. Me too. <laughs> Goodness. Hey, uh, you are watching the uh, Main Event Sports TV live. Uh, Rashawn, uh, Rail, Devin, che- checking in with you uh, on the Plug Network. Hey, stay plugged in. And welcome back into the Main Event Sports Show, Main Event Sports TV Live, and we're just rolling along, fellas. I'll tell you, the time flies when you're having fun, man. I can't believe we're already more than halfway through the show. Um, I do want to let everybody know, if you like the content that you're listening to tonight and watching, as well as when you go to MainEventSports101.com, all the great uh, blog entries that guys like Devin and myself uh, produce, if you, uh, become a patron of the Main Event Sports Show. All you have to do, go to MainEventSports101.com and for as little as $3 a month, uh, you can become a patron of the Main Event Sports Show and help us continue to hire more writers and produce more content that you love. Uh, so definitely make sure you check that out at MainEventSports101.com. And I also want to give a big shout out uh, to the folks on the, uh, the, the text f- uh, sphere. Uh, as everybody's watching here on the Plug Network, we have yes. some great commentary coming in. Uh, we have Tony checking in. Uh, he said he feels like um, Louisville was too big of a job for Satterfield's vision. Definitely. Uh, Definitely. I, 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 100%. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. He said, uh, also said, big ups to Coach Stoops uh, for coming in, setting his foundation, and building his program. UK is no longer the doormat. They compete every game, and he's placing guys in the league. Um, so, I, no, I, I totally agree with that as well. I think that's that's the thing is that Stoops didn't keep everything the same, but Stoops was aggressive. Stoops was both aggressive in being willing to change what he did and also sticking in the th- sticking with the things that he believed in. And I think you have to have both uh, to have success. Uh, Devin, do you agree with that? Oh, for sure. And I want to throw in one thing. I got to give some credit to my favorite one on the coaching staff, Big Dog Vince Morrow. That man has done wonders for our recruitment, man. I mean, yeah. Stoops does a great job for recruiting and stuff, but Vince Morrow is the unsung hero of this team. That dude goes around Ohio. He's been going into Michigan a little bit. He's starting to do better in Kentucky itself, going down to Georgia a little bit. His recruitment has helped us tremendously bringing in these athletes and starting to get better recruits, of course. So I wanted to throw in that because I love Big Dog, man. He's, he's my favorite on the staff. Hey, Big Dog's always on social media doing something. I'm like, this dude is is everywhere. His energy is absolutely ridiculous. So, no, I totally agree with you on that as well. And I do want to also give a shout-out. Kari Muhammad actually checked in as well. He said in terms of Louisville's slow starts but then finishing strong, he said he feels that that kills recruiting because, of course, you have a lot of your recruits come to the early games. So if you're starting slow, losing games, you kind of lose that momentum in recruiting and you kind of start out flat. He really thinks that hurts year in and year out. So I have to totally agree with that as well. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to get into that to that routine. And I think this is pretty much the third year in a row where we've seen a similar playbook for Satterfield and company. But I do want to get back to UK, fellas. Um, Okay, going down to the hedges, number one, Georgia, number 11, Kentucky. Um, 
Can UK win this game? I'm real. I'm gonna start with you first. I say this: if UK is able to control the line of scrimmage, continue to run the ball like they do, with Cavarcier smokes and uh, what is his name? Uh, Rodriguez. Chris Rodriguez. Yeah, Chris Rodriguez. Rodriguez and Cavarcier smokes. As long as they're able to continue to sustain their runs like they've been doing, and Will Levis continues to be a amazing game manager then they walk away with a seven-point win in this game. Ooh, he's calling it early. All right, well, I, like I, it. I, I will take the second one on this, and Devin, I'll let you finish with your prognostication for the game. Um, I feel like I, coming into the season, it really shocked me that they had Kentucky's offensive line rated as the best in the SEC. I thought that that was um, huge for them just as a program. Um, this is going to be a game where they're going to have to show it. I think that Kentucky's going to have to play their patented stoops ball. They got to take the air out of the ball. They need to control the clock. They need to get a lot of first downs. They need to lean on Chris Rodriguez, shorten the game. The thing that worries me about this Georgia team is you don't know if you're going to get the Georgia team um, that, you know, was uh, life and death uh, to beat a Clemson team that's not that good in a, you know, a zero touchdown scored slobber knocker. Uh, I think it was, what, 9-6 was the final? Um, you know, or are they going to be the Georgia team that went out there and put up over 40 points on uh, Arkansas? You know, that that's kind of the question um, that you have is what's going to happen um, in this game. But if Georgia, if Kentucky can control the ball, get Time off. of possession. Absolutely. Get off the field on third downs, then I think that UK has an opportunity to keep it close. I, I think that... Historically, because Kentucky on the road in the SEC, especially versus ranked opponents, has not been good. I don't think um, I don't think they'll have enough to get it done. But I do think it's going to be a close game. I don't think this is going to be a blowout. I don't think this is going to be um, you, you know your, your your grandpa's Kentucky getting ran off the field. You know, I've seen some people say that they were going to get dog walked and all this stuff. I don't think so. I think it's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of maybe seventeen, fourteen. Georgia. I'll tell you what, if Kentucky can keep. The quarterback for Georgia uncomfortable, and they do what they do. Kentucky wins this with no problem. Hey, well, it, it, that that would be amazing. That would be amazing, uh, Devin. What, what what do you say about the matchup? Well, it's going to be the battle of the defenses. I mean, Kentucky's defense is statistically top ten. I, they should be in the top ten now. Uh, which, of course, at the end of LSU, they let up some garbage time points, but. In my opinion, I do believe they're top 10. But Georgia, all year, their defense has absolutely dominated. Uh, I don't. I think the most points they gave up in the game is 10, maybe 14 points. Yeah. Yeah, but I do believe Kentucky will score the most points of any opponent that they've faced this year. Uh, in my article that I typed up for the preview for the game today, uh, my prediction was Georgia to pull out 28 to 20. I think it's going to be a close game. Defenses on both sides will show up. Of course, the run game will be strong, like uh, y'all are talking about. But the X factor for if Kentucky wants to win, of course, clock management is a big one. But Will Levis has to come back and have a huge game like he did against LSU. That's the big X factor if we want to win this game. Will Levis has to be smart with his decision-making, which, of course, throughout the season, besides last game, his decision-making throwing the ball has been shaky. But if his running the ball... I mean, he's been great with that. But if he want, if we want to win, he has to give the ball to Wandell, and somebody has to step up besides Wandell to help him because they're going to focus on Wandell, of course, 
So I think Ali, I, I don't know if he's in or not. He might still be out, but somebody like Isaiah Cummings or uh, maybe our tight end Brandon Bates, maybe use him a little bit because we haven't used our tight ends much, which losing Keaton Upshaw did hurt us before the season. Yeah, I think that's going to be huge. I was going to say, Wondell needs 10, 10, 11, 12 catches in this game. Oh. He needs to have one of those Randall Cobb. <laughs> just Randall Cobb just is the whole offense for Kentucky, Keenan Burton type game. He needs mm-hmm. that, you know, they need to feed Wondell as much as he can handle. Man, I, I, I totally agree I, with that. I tell that. you what, it's definitely going to be a battle of David and Goliath, much like that fight. Oh yeah, yeah, that yeah. That's very wonderful. Ooh, we, hey, hey, we gonna we gonna have to get into that too. Absolutely, I do uh, want to give a shout out. Tony uh, Young had one other comment. He said that in terms of Kentucky and what they can do against Georgia, he said mindset makes a difference. He said Definitely. UK Definitely. has a shot at winning, but they have to knock Georgia off their mark a little bit. My idea um, is that game managing quarterback keep him off the field. And operate like a machine offensively. So yeah, I, exactly, I, I agree Tony. with him. Exactly. Lean on that offensive line, man. That that right there is your money if you are Mark Stoops. And I think Mark Stoops knows that. Just don't get too cute. Just don't get too cute. Stoops Stay ain't physical. got nothing cute in his offense. Right? <laughs> you know what it is. Say hut, hand it off, run up the gut. There it is. There it is. Absolutely. So all right. So uh, we got about four minutes left in this in this block. So um, we'll get. We're gonna of course do our official picks in the last segment. Um, but let's go ahead, switch real quick to the, the Wilder fight, uh, the Wilder Fury fight. Um, Devin, I'm going to let you have first on this one since you are our, our action combat sports expert. Uh, what did you think about the fight on Saturday night? I mean, really, I mean, that right there might put boxing even up more. I mean, boxing's been growing for the past couple of years, back up in popularity. But this fight right here was great. I mean, fantastic, which, of course, Fury got knocked down twice in one round, a 10-7 round by Wilder. Uh, Everybody thought Wilder was going to get that momentum and come back, but Fury got back up, somewhat similar to the first fight, even though that was at the end of the fight. Fury came back up, and then he just started dominating with his technical skills. And, like, Wilder, like, like, I like Wilder, but with how he's been making up some excuses recently, not after this fight, but I saw the video where like Tyson came over and talked to him. I was like, man, I respect you and stuff. He's like, no, I don't respect you. But he came back out and put a post on Instagram, kind of apologizing, saying that he did respect them. It was just the heat of the moment, you know. But Wilder is just one of them, one of a kind powerhouses, you know. It's just fury, man. I just, I don't know. Six foot nine, but that technical skill is crazy. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Real, what do you think about the fight? What I think about the fight is this. The same thing that's been Wilder's problem is going to continue to be Wilder's problem. Once he realizes that he's fighting somebody that can compete with him and they actually hit him hard enough, Wilder loses all sense of his game plan. And he lets his aggression lead to his decision making, which leads to him getting put on the canvas. You finally met somebody that can match with you Blow for blow, pound for pound. Stick to your game plan. You see it's been working for you. You were winning. You were winning and then you allowed your anger to get to you when he put you on the canvas. No, what you do is you get back up, continue to stick to your game plan. Really, truthfully, and I give Wilder credit because he came out and boxed more in that fight than I've seen him fight in his whole career. Like he literally... 
worked behind the jab. He was patient. He wasn't headhunting, looking for knockouts. And he was setting um, up the good power patient. blows. Absolutely. He did a great job. Like you can tell he put a lot of work into the technical side of the game for that fight. I give him credit for it. And truthfully, Rel, I don't think it was that he got frustrated. Really and truthfully, I think he just got tired. Like the, the thing about when you're that patient and you're working behind the jab, you're having to dance and move, is that that is a very tiring, especially for a big man like that. I think that he got winded. I think he got worn out Wilder's temper and got, got caught. The, Wilder's temper got the best of it. Okay. That's what it is. When you, when you can look at it on how he started going, Okay, now I'm head hunting because you don't knock me down. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's tough. Hunting. Yeah, once you get knocked down, it can kind of. I'm aggressively trying to knock yeah. you out now. That's that fight or flight. You know? yeah. yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I want to turn this into a brawl now because I'm angry. Now, do you think that Wilder should be done? Like this is the third time that these guys have fought. Yeah, he should go ahead and leave. Do, him do you on, think? Man. Do you think he should go ahead and leave it be? Yeah, I think he I'll should be... leave it be, man. He done got knocked out twice, man. Might well call it Christmas. Devin, what do yeah. you think? I think he should move on. I think the next fight for him should be Anthony Joshua. Him and Anthony Joshua are coming off losses. That's another great fight for him. And I do think he does beat Joshua because this trilogy right here will make him a better fighter. It's going to make him rebuild his mindset. It's going to make him want to work more on the technical skills to add to that power. And I just I think Joshua's a little bit overrated. I mean, he you look at him, he's 6'4", chiseled, and you're just like, man, he's great, but... I, Wilder, I, if they fought, Wilder would beat Joshua, I believe. And then Usyk, the I don't Alexander Usyk, I think is the yes. name that beat Joshua, should fight Tyson. But I think he would get dominated by Tyson. Tyson is the best in the world besides Canelo, in my opinion, in boxing. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I I definitely think that uh, it's time for Fury and Wilder to be over with. But I also agree with you, Devin. I definitely think that um, Wilder is going to be a better fighter. Uh, because of having fought Tyson Fury. So uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Hey, we have a bunch more still left to come. Little NBA, little NFL. We have one more segment left. You are watching Main Event Sports TV Live on the Plug Network. Stay plugged in. You are looking live and one last segment of Main Event Sports TV Live. Rashawn Devin, the Imperial Real Rail, now is ready to step into his pulpit and preach to y'all about a man named John Gruden. My coach, my former coach, me being a big Raiders fan, uh, Chucky got relieved of his duties earlier this week and Rail... The floor is yours. Okay. First off, let me start by this. We're talking about a league that is 70% black. We're talking about a league that in 2017 only had seven head coaches, where two of those head coaches are still in a head coaching position. And that's Ron Rivera, who's Hispanic, and that's Mike Tomlin, who's African-American. Now... Let's get down to it. John Gruden only spoke in his emails the thought of the entire NFL. And they might not say it outright, but they say it in their actions because if this is not how they felt, regardless of what you may say, if this is not how they felt, Colin Kaepernick would have a job right now. If this is not how they felt, 
it would be more African-American and minority coaches in head coaching positions in a sport that is dominated by us, by the percentile. There would be a lot more stand-up situations. There would even be more majority black owners in this league if it wasn't for the good old boy. You know, the good old boy motto, as they call it, because this is a league that is run by them. And me, I call the NFL and the NBA the professional plantation. Boy, we pay you to be good. Boy, we pay you to do what we ask you to do. Now get out there and play. Well. And I look at it like this. When you look at, and let's go switch for a little bit. You look at the NBA right now. They won't let Kyrie Irving play because Kyrie Irving said he don't want to take the vaccine. But guess what? Even if he don't play, you still got to pay him. You still got to pay him. Now let's switch back over. He made uh, what Gruden said. Uh, he called uh, Roger Goodell a homophobic asshole, so to speak, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And then he went on to say that Jeff Fisher said that uh, Roger Goodell forced them to draft homophobic, homosexual players, speaking on Michael Sam at that time. If that was the case, which Jeff Fisher came back later and said, no, he didn't ask us to draft him. I drafted because he was the best available player at that time. But regardless, the, the, the racist thoughts that him and Bruce Allen had, the, the whole banter about female officials and females having power in the league. It's a male dominated driven white man league that they let us play the sport in because they know that we are predominantly the best athletic players in the world. I am not mad at what John Gruden said by far at all, because what he said is what they've shown for years. Ever since it became a national widespread sport, it's what they've shown for years. So it's nothing new to me that they are having this kind of banter on, on their emails, their phones, wherever they are, in their little meeting rooms or whatever. It's, it doesn't surprise me that these kind of comments are being made by coaches, uh, referees, owners, and even some of the players. It doesn't surprise me that this kind of stuff comes out. What I'm saying is, at the end of the day, keep that away from your professionalism if you're a professional. Because once you make those kind of statements, you now lose your team in a hole. That's the reason John Gruden resigned before they could fire him. And I will say this. <laughs> the, 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 first, the first commentary that, that Gruden made about the whole situation saying that, oh, I was mad. I was just mad when I said what I said. Okay. And this is talking about the first set of comments where he was commenting on the size of the lips can of I, one of I, the, can I ask you the guys. What was he mad about? Oh, oh well, the problem about, is, what was his name? DeMichael? Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, you know, he, he, he called, called and said he had big lips or something. It was so, you know, so some clearly racist commentary. Um, yeah, he, he uh, um, the uh, about one of the front office guys, the player yeah, players association, association uh, head, head uh, of the players association. Yes, um, and, and but let let me just a say this: anybody who says 
You know, I was only racist because I was angry. That's a horrible... That, that No, that, first of all, that means you're racist, but you're only going to allow it to slip when you get angry. Okay, so that, that's first of all, that's not an excuse. That's a closet racist. Uh, the, you know, the, the, the second thing that I'll say about it is, and this is my hope, and, and this has continued to be my hope ever since we go back to last summer, um, with, you know, with the social awakening we had around the country, is that, you know, that we have people that fight the fight and, and believe that there's a problem, but the bigger section of people are the, the, the deniers that there is, that racism isn't real or that racism no longer exists. Um, this is just another one of those wake up calls to kind of show people that, no, this is the way people still talk and these are the ways that people still act. So for the deniers, you know, wake up, see that it's there and let's fix it and do better. And, and, and that is the one thing that I hope that comes from this. I, it's, it's unfortunate that Gruden feels that way. He definitely deserved to lose his job. So let me let me ask you, what was he mad about? Making millions as an ESPN analyst? Was he mad <laughs> right. about that? Uh, yeah, because at was the time he, he wasn't even coaching. Having, yes, he was an ESPN analyst. He wasn't a coach. He didn't have any, none, nothing that happened on the field with any of the team's transactions affected him in the league. At, at that time, Washington was probably trying to recruit him to be their coach where they end up with his brother who, quote unquote, is trash as a coach. Yeah, I, you, I, I don't know what he was mad about, um, but, you know, it was just an, an unfortunate situation all the way around. Uh, Devin, I do want to ask you, just in terms of we've heard that there's a ton of emails out there. Um, do you think that we're done? Do you think that this just stops at Gruden? I, I've noticed that the Redskins are doing a whole lot of things to kind of shift the focus of everything. They're going to retire Sean Taylor's number. Sunday now they've just made this announcement out of the blue to kind of shift the focus from everything that happened with email gate um, Do you think that Gruden's the last one or do you this, think there's gonna be more you to see Daniel Schneider's emails? That's why <laughs> yeah. uh, I believe is he's not gonna be the last one because I mean You do it to one person like that. You're gonna have to start doing it to everybody else, you know Yeah, because I it, mean it's kind of be like Balco with the with the steroids <laughs> Yeah, I mean, exactly. But, like, I think that they're going to start looking into everything now. If, if you, you can't just go into one coach's emails or one person within the league's emails and just be like, point him out and everybody else is in the clear, you know? Yeah. You got to go into everybody else to see if there's any of that uh, talk going on between them and, like, somebody else. Also, like, how Gruden dug his own grave, he was doing it on his work email at ESPN. Yeah. That's kind of like, uh, what about ESPN? They should. There's no way they didn't know he was sending these on his work email. That's true. And like, of course they, did. they didn't spread it out. And it's coming out after after he's been a coach for the Raiders for a few years now. Like, it's just like, it's kind somebody of a weird Somebody was sitting situation. on those. Yeah, somebody was sitting oh. on those emails. Yeah, it's it's a very odd situation that it just My came out of nowhere. <laughs> what was that? I'm sorry. He I didn't said he's, Will Bond was holding the emails. He said Will Bond was holding the emails. Oh, yeah, oh, I mean, oh, y'all successful now, huh? Poker <laughs> chips, bam! Y'all watch you take off. Being a Raiders fan as well, I mean, look, Chucky was a great football mind as a coach, and you know, I'm a, I will miss his football mind. Uh, I will say that his drafting was very sus. I didn't like some of his agreed draft picks, and he kind of ruined. He we had some chances. Like I really wanted Trading Josh Allen. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, trading Khalil Mack, and I really wanted Josh Allen, and we got Cleland Farrell that year, and Cleland hasn't panned out to what he should be. But, uh, I mean, man's an idiot, dug his own grave. I mean, he deserved every right to get out of there. Of course, he's going to lose the locker room. And also him using homophobic slurs and Carl Nassib being the first openly gay player in the NFL. He's another one that's just like, I, there's no telling what he was feeling as well. Like, I mean, yeah. it's just, he dug his own grave. I'm, I mean, it's good that he got out quick, pretty much. And uh, t- Tony Young also uh, chimed in. He said Gruden claimed he was mad over the players being denied access uh, for preparation. It had a it had no bearing on him as a TV analyst. My idea is that he spoke that way uh, to feel as if he was one of the boys in the eyes of the administration on the side of the game. So just trying to get in good with the administration, which just kind of furthers the point that I would that, like to see some of Bruce Allen's responses. Yeah, well, that that's the question, right? Is is you know if, if all this stuff is going on with Gruden, what's going on with all these other executives and administrators? Who all was on this email? How I many gu- people were conversating? I guarantee you, Robert Kraft done threw away everything. Yeah, <laughs> just burned it all up. <laughs> He's over there right now. Just I, did, delete my email. I don't have an email. Hey. I don't. I, I know. So, so fellas, we gonna go real quick with our picks Jerry because Jones we are too. down to these. And I'm last. a Cowboys fan, but I know Jerry is getting rid of everything. Honey, <laughs> burn the cow steak back in the back. It's over. I'm, I'm done with you. <laughs> um, we have uh, looks like four games we're gonna pick really quickly. We already did our Kentucky picks. Uh, Devin, you said that you thought, you said, what was it, 28-21? For 28-20. Uh, you said yeah. Georgia? Yeah, sadly. Okay, okay. Uh, Tampa Bay, uh, Philadelphia. Tampa Bay. Uh, you got Tampa Bay in that one. Tampa Bay as well, Devin? Yeah, thumb injury is not going to stop Tom Brady. Agreed. Like that. Agreed. Uh, we have the Cardinals at the Browns. Mm. Oh, Kyler. Stay undefeated. The Browns stay undefeated. Well, I'll take the upset since it's at Cleveland. I think the Browns are going to pull it off. The run game's been tremendous this year. I, I think it's going to be an upset. But I like the Cardinals. It just might be time. I agree with you. I actually think the Browns are going to get it done in the dog pound. And last but not least, Chargers at Ravens, the game of the week. Chargers. Devin? Uh, I'd say... Ravens are playing as good as anybody right now, but just Chargers are just more complete. Ooh. I think the Chargers. Yeah, it, this one's tough. I, I've been thinking about it back and forth, but you know what? Give me Lamar Jackson. He had the big comeback. They're kicking NFL record field goals. Give me the Ravens at home. Get it done. Send the Chargers back home crying. So that's unfortunately all the time we have this week. Devin Hall. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. I really appreciate it. My man, Rel, as always, man, thank you uh, for for checking in with us as well. And you know what? On the Main Event Sports Show, like we like to end every show without any struggle. There is no progress. Peace, Peace. y'all.